It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Gerard Adams, also known as the Millennial Mentor. He's a thought leader, serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and philanthropist whose stated purpose is to inspire other millennials to leverage their passions for success and create the lifestyle they dream of. Now, there continues to be incredible amounts of talk and writing about the millennial generation, how to work with them, how to manage them, and the general tenor of much that's written is somehow that millennials have to be handled with kid gloves, you know, that their egos and psyches are fragile and that special accommodations have to be made for them. And yet here is a generation that seems committed to change, innovation, and questioning for the better why things have to work the way they do. And interestingly, most often they run up against baby boomers who are also defined by they're challenging the existing order and triggering the innovation that defined their lives. So what do millennials want and how can they achieve these personal career goals? And if you're part of a previous generation, how does it affect how you motivate, collaborate, and work with millennials to achieve your goals. And my guest today, Gerard Adams, is going to help shine some light and help us sort it all out. So, Gerard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. So, take a minute, introduce yourself. You know, How did you get your start in business? And you know, give us a little bit of your journey in terms of your entrepreneurial background. Sure. Well, entrepreneur for 13 years now. Um, I, it's, it's unbelievable uh, how, it's, how time has flown by. So you started um, when you were a teenager, basically. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I basically, you know, I feel like, you know, growing up where I grew up, I kind of was instilled entrepreneur values at a very young age. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I had to kind of, you know, learn how to fend for, fend for myself. Um, and, uh, you know, I started off basically in middle school, really, where I started, you know, uh, getting Echo T-shirts that my friends all wanted and finding a connection from a friend who his father worked for the factory and we were able to get them at wholesale, but not, I wasn't able to afford a lot. And then I would sell them, you know, for, for better price, um, mm-hmm. school. And then that grew into a passion for, for part, for, for cars. I was very into like hooking up cars and kind of, um, help getting, uh, you know, different kids that were into that different car parts. Uh, and then, they continued to just grow onto other small side, you know, hustles in high school and, and getting a real job too. I ended up working at, at a, in a supermarket as a cashier, then produce and things like that. My mother worked at a supermarket, um, and you know, I did whatever I could to make to make money and to help the family. Um, and then, based, my parents really were adamant about me going to college and, and getting a good education in order for me to become successful. In, in they told, told me that that was really the, the path I should take, and I really wanted to make them proud. So I did, I did uh, attend college, apply, and my father wanted me to go to Princeton, believe it or not, but I really wasn't the smartest, book, you know, smartest student in school. I really was like more of like a BC student, so I couldn't get into Princeton, got into a local university um, called Cowell College, actually. And then after my first semester, um, I really just didn't feel like it was for me. I felt that the system was flawed. I felt like I was accumulating, starting to accumulate debt, and they were telling me what classes to take. I couldn't get into the classes that I wanted to for a major that I wanted to learn about business and how to start a business. And I 
you know, I quickly uh, decided that uh, by the end of my first semester that I want that I. I wanted to take a risk of being an entrepreneur and self-educating myself and finding a mentor. Um, and my, my parents were really against it. Um, so it put a lot of pressure on me, but, uh, I took that risk at a really early age and I started my first business probably around when I was like 19 years old. So <laughs> interesting. We talked about mentorship. So that's really unusual, I think for, people are starting out to serve that first thought saying, I need a mentor to help me get into that. And I see that sort of increasingly a little bit with millennials. And I want to get into that a little bit later because, but who'd you seek out? I mean, who helped you? You know, I agree. And I think that mentorship is, is probably the most important, um, you know, was the most valuable, um, asset like in my life to get to where I am today. Like having somebody that I could learn from real life experience because I didn't, you know, I didn't relate to books as much. You know, I wanted to like really learn from actually doing something and learning from real life experience. And that was like the way that I, I was, I was better at learning. So uh, who'd you choose? Who was your mentor? So I ended up, so believe it or not, I, I, it took me some time to find them. It wasn't like I just dropped that and went out and seeks, you know, was able to get the mentor. I, I decided first, my first move was, well, what am I really interested in? Th- so that I could find the mentor of what I'm truly, truly interested in. And I was interested in learning how to invest in small companies that were trying to become the next Apples of the world, the next Coca-Colas of the world. And I wanted to learn about those type of those type of companies and how to trade them and invest into them. So I started an online community called StockSpot. And I took, I, I saw that there was a niche in the market where there's a lot of forums at the times and chat rooms. And I wanted to create a forum, but I wanted to add a rating system similar to an eBay or an Amazon model. And every member would have one to five stars color coordinated. And I created this and, and I just, you know, basically, um, you know, through unique marketing strategies, did the best I could to build this community to use my platform. And then therefore I would be able to find multiple mentors through this online platform because then I would know who's four or five star members, who's the, who are the gurus at investing in these companies and why, um, so that, so that I kind of create, I went about it in a unique way. Um, I created this online community to kind of find the mentors, to have them come to me and, and have, and then be able to build, use my platform as a way to discuss their, their investments with other people. And therefore I would kind of be able to uh, leverage the platform to learn from multiple people. And then from that platform, I got about 10,000 initial people to sign up. Wow. Um, which was a lot back then. <laughs> yeah, now it's like, got to be like millions. Um, well, especially if you were using it to learn yourself, right? I mean, it was like you were, you were just providing the platform and the forum for everybody else to learn. Correct. And I think that all great innovation um, and great products stem from this, stem from creating something of value that you're, you're looking for in your life or a problem that you're looking to solve. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before. And mm-hmm. I, I truly have lived it, you know, you know, most of my success um, or the startups that have gotten involved with or the exits that I've had have been from starting from an idea of something that I just was looking for in the market, something that I was just you know, really looking for or I was passionate about something and I analyzed the market. And I said, okay, how can I differentiate myself in this, in this marketplace? Um, and that's what I did initially. And it then led me to not only learning from this online community of 10,000 people that were day in and day out chatting, but then one day getting a phone call from a local 
nanotechnology company that was reinventing the battery. And I was like, this is super cool. When I spoke to them, I was like, why are we still charging our cell phones two, three times a day? Battery technology hasn't really evolved as quickly as you know, a lot of other technologies today. And I, the CEO is on the call. His name is Ron Durando. And when he realized how young I was and what I created, he was like, I just want to get some exposure. How do I advertise with you to get in front of your investment community? I, and I didn't realize that there was a way to monetize at that point through advertising because I had created this really just to build a, you know, a, a community. Right. Um, and he was like, when he realized how young I was, he was like, you know, I want you to come to my office because I don't think you understand the value of what you've created. And he actually became my first business mentor. Um, and when I met with him, he, you know, he was like, I, you know, you've done something amazing. And, but I don't think you realize what, you don't really know too much about investor relations or public relations, what it means to be a small cap publicly traded company. And if you want, because back then, the way that these companies would, would, uh, would raise money or would, would advertise would be very, in a very traditional means. They would do direct mails. They would go on road shows. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were looking for unique ways to, to, uh, to use digital media as a way to get exposure for these companies. Uh, so he was like, come in and help me build out my digital marketing strategy. Help me build my website out, my, you know, my video marketing, um, you know, different unique, getting written up on different online magazines and running PPC campaigns to help him build his own, you know, uh, 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 uh email list to email information right, about right. the company, just things like that. So I was extremely excited and he said, I'm going to teach you about this industry. And he became my first, my first real mentor. But I do, I must say though, that the first mentors that I've ever had in my entire life, I do owe it all to my mother and father, seeing them work seven days a week. Um, I, it's like they, my father instilling leadership at a very young age my, and, and integrity and certain values. Um, my mother seeing her having to work at those seven days a week to help provide for the family and, and hear her stories of what, how she, how she, what she had to do to drop out of high school just to help her, my grandparents provide for her sisters and brothers. I mean, there's so much that from, from my upbringing that is, that also has been a huge mentorship to me. So let's and a great story. So so let's let's talk about millennials because since this sure. is your area, you're working, you're mentoring a lot of millennials. So first question is is in general, do you think millennials are more entrepreneurial than previous generations, or are they more risk averse? I think we are more more entrepreneurial. I think this is the most entrepreneurial generation in history, and I think it's it's been caused by the fact that we were pretty much forced to become entrepreneurs. And I lived through this. I'm on the upper echelon of this millennial generation. I was born in 84. I think it starts about 1980. But, you know, when I started becoming an entrepreneur, okay, it was not the cool thing to do. In fact, I was very much uh, hated on and, uh, you know, put down basically saying, you're a college dropout. Every one of my friends were going to college to get that, get their degree to become successful. Um, and it was, it was very much the unconventional path, which it still is today. But, but then like people didn't even really talk about being an entrepreneur, you know, now today it's like, everybody thinks it's the cool thing to do. Um, in, in a way, like it's, it's very, very much common. Now you're starting to even see universities and schools have entrepreneurship classes. Um, but I think what had happened was through 2008, 2010, when we had that economic recession, which again, I lived through, 
built as, an, as a young entrepreneur because I had built that online community. I got into investor relations. I got into small cap companies and understanding the marketplace, the economy. And then all of a sudden, everything changed for me. My, the business changed for me. The industry changed for me. The economy changed. And during that same time period, I saw all my friends graduating uh, from college now in, in, during that time, and they couldn't get jobs. And it was very much, I saw this, this like, shift in, in, in the way that we all thought in, in our thinking and our mindset that was pretty much we had to start becoming more resourceful. We had to start thinking how, how can we become entrepreneurs. And, and I, a lot of my friends ended up having to be forced to become entrepreneurs, believe it or not, because they couldn't get work. Yeah, or those just a, yeah my kids are in that generation. It's, it's a, a series of part-time jobs right. instead of one full-time job, right? Correct. And uh, that, that's, I think that was kind of the core of, of what made us to be, uh, to be the most entrepreneurial generation. I think it was, it was that. And then us not trusting these big institutions that lied to us. And, you know, we grew up being fed so much advertisements from television. And a, lot, a lot has just changed in, in a short period of time from, from uh, our parents' generation. Yeah. Well, I think even your parents went through some of that. Certainly, you know, I did as I'm a generation ahead of you, at least. And yeah. and yeah, I went through the whole transition myself as well, where, you know, my, my parents' generation, they were sort of aghast that I, you know, I worked for eight different venture funded startup companies uh, before starting my own company. And they were sort right. of aghast at this because it's like, you know, you need the security of the big companies. Right. But it really turned out that really the big companies were as risky as the small companies. And that was really a big change, as you talked about. I mean, it was no longer... You could go work at a big company and assume that you could be there for 30 years. You are as vulnerable there as anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, I, my father is a testament to that. I mean, he worked for Prudential for probably close to 30 years. And then when that, that happened in 2000, 2010, uh, you know, he got laid off. You know, I've had a big impact in my, on my family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and Prudential is like, what do they got, a trillion in assets? So I agree. They're, they're just as risky. Believe it or not, they're, they're looking for now – there, there's the, that term intrapreneur. There, like a lot right. of these big companies now are looking for these intrapreneurs, um, which I think is very interesting as well. Yeah. So back to millennials, just on a couple of points. Is one is then do you think the generation is more adaptable, perhaps than previous generations, given sort of the this turmoil coming of age, you know, during the Great Recession of two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Um, are we more adaptable? Yeah, to change. I, 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 yeah, I mean. Definitely. I think we are. Uh, you know, I think it's almost, you know, too much to, in, 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 a, in a way because we're constantly, I think we do live in a generation where we're, we are, cha- we change our minds, you know, so quickly. We, we, we've, we've gotten used to kind of everything hap- happening so quickly for us. You know, now it's like everything with a click of a button, you know, every, they, we want everything very, uh, you know, now you got Ubers of the world where cars are, can show up in two minutes. You know, um, the way that we communicate and everything is, 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 uh, is so quickly now. So we're, we're constantly adapting, um, almost to the point where, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lack of like longevity with, 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 uh, with our focus, um, a lack of and, patience, perhaps. And, and, oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going <laughs> to say patience. <laughs> uh, great minds think alike. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, though, I want to talk uh, about some of the fears that you see millennials having because they sort of come up in, in your writing. And I just want to see if they're generalized. And then 
we'll get into some of their unique strengths. So come back right after the break. Joining me is my guest, Gerard Adams. We're talking about millennials, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back to Accelerate with my guest today, Gerard Adams, the millennial mentor. And we were just talking about millennials and and some other strengths. And some, one of the fears I, I see, maybe a common fear as we see in millennials, because I think it's important to understand strengths and weaknesses of a generation is, is you know, on one hand, we say they're sort of less afraid of failing. But I sort of sense sometimes in your writing, and you referred to it earlier, is that, that uh, maybe more sensitivity to what other people think. Do you find that to be the true? Uh, absolutely, a sense of you know. I think the generation, our generation. Um, I talk about this, you know, oh, we, because of the Instagram and, and Instagram and Facebook and everything. Like, we care so much of what people think of us. Um, you know, the fear of being judged is just uh, is is a huge is a huge thing for our generation, and I think that. Um, we do need to let go. You know, I, I say it all the time that you can't, you, you got to let go of those like insecurities. You have to be authentic. You can't have the fear of what people are going to you know, think of you. You got to just be true to yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, and understand that nope, not everybody's going to like you, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion. I've dealt with it my whole life. I had haters my whole life and, you know, you know, people, the, you know, there's, you have to understand your ego. People have egos as well. Um, you're going to be judged one way or another, and, and you got to just keep staying true to yourself. You know, be authentic. You know, have faith in yourself and what you believe in, and um, and then just and keep pushing forward, and know that you're not going to make everybody everybody like you. Yeah, well, I think your parents' generation, which uh, unfortunately I'm probably part of that, probably somewhat to blame for that because. You know, your generation in school yeah. was really the first one that was sort of submitted to what I call the whole self-esteem curriculum <laughs> and, you know, stressing the importance of self-esteem. It seems like some of that sort of comes out on this other end with with being so sensitive to what other people think about you. Correct. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, say that it definitely stems from our parents too. But, you know, I, I do think that it's more... I think it it, haven't, it grew more from social media as well, you know, the sense that you have to like, you know, you know, our generation is putting up pictures to, to you know, um, to have that sense of significance and, and you know, I think um, losing touch with like themselves. Right. Well, so one, one last question about on this side, and then I want to jump into sort of uniqueness the millennials bring to businesses, is are millennials more status oriented than previous generations? Are they more egalitarian or less so? I mean, the importance you sort of talked about the fact that, you know, you, you weren't able to go to the, the best school and that maybe there was some, you know, people sort of f- hating on you because, you know, you didn't go to Princeton or whatever. I mean, is that more pronounced in this generation or less pronounced? Or just the same? It's a good question. Um, I think 
when it comes to, you, you know, I think it's, uh, when you think about it from an educational standpoint, I think now it's not, uh, it's, it's not, you're not as judged um, because we can, again, we've been so entrepreneurial. We've seen so many, we've had a lot of success stories that necessarily are not having to come and graduate from uh, Princeton or Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I do think that, you know, you you see you do see a lot more uh you know a lot being judged from like your digital i think your digital footprint more than anything nowadays Got it. more than a degree i think you know you know because now you can use technology and social media and, and you know the internet to kind of build yourself into being a social celebrity you know some sort you can build business from it you can build you know uh you know you can really um, I've, you know, we've I've seen so many people become, you know, some of these, some of these millennials are got big, a bigger following, you know, from YouTube than they, than, than like a, you know, George Clooney, like, or an actor, yeah, like a Tom right, Cruise, right, you know? Right. So I do think that the social footprint, the digital footprint is something that we very much, um, we very much you know, uh, analyze and take into consideration. Which is sort of an interesting thing because one of the, the things that we talk a lot about in the sales world is the importance of developing you know, a, a great digital footprint, if, let's say, if you're a sales rep, because you know, it's often the first impression or the first perception that a prospective buyer develops about you is looking at your LinkedIn profile and maybe what you're sharing on Twitter and so on. And yet, there seems to be a real reluctance, even though this is a very social media-oriented generation, among millennial sales reps to really fill out that profile, you know, to right. really have to share, freely share. And I think, I think some of this sort of stems back to what you said before about uh, afraid of being judged, right? And I'm going to be judged on what I share, which is, yeah, that's really what you want to have happen. You have to, to be successful. You have to be able to open yourself up to the judgment from other people. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I dealt, I, I somewhat dealt with this myself. I, I, you know, for so long, I, I never looked at myself as a personal, I never did personal branding for a very long time. I focused on my businesses um, and I wanted to put my businesses first and, you know, make sure that the, I focus on the branding of of the business. Um, and just this past year, I started, you know, more so focusing on my personal brand um, and it's brought so much, so much opportunity um, by being able to put out good quality content, being being a little more active on social media, um, you know, interacting with people and doing podcasts like this, and you know, providing providing value and getting um, getting out there. I think that the more that you do that, you're gonna, you know, yes, you know, you're gonna be judged 100. percent I'm sure everybody listening right now is not gonna, you know, they may not like what I'm saying, um, but at the end of the day, um, if you just keep doing that and you keep putting you know, getting out there, providing value, putting out good content, building out your personal brand, um, you know, you will see more opportunities come your way. Yeah. And you have to be able to release that, that whole idea of being judged. I mean, you know, doing a podcast, uh, yeah, I know from writing a book, I mean, I, I first book I wrote, I was incredibly fearful about <laughs> releasing it because this whole thing about worrying about what people think about you. And once you sort of get accustomed to, to sharing what you think and what you believe, you start getting over that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It really becomes a habit and it's really important for I think for everybody to embrace yeah. you said, with the personal branding and and it's I think I, the hard part about it is it becomes almost like a full time job. 
you know, I just think it's, it's, it is, it is difficult keeping up with, you know, there's, there's so many different social platforms. There's so many different ways of, of building out your content and putting out content. I mean, it can be, it, it becomes, uh, it becomes a, another job and that's, that's part of why, you know, why it's a little bit tough, but if you can get into, build it into your routine, build it into a habit, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to start off with like, you have to do it like every single, you know, putting out, you know, pictures and, and content and, and doing things every day, it, but it's just consistency, you know, um, you know, trying to be consistent and trying to build that into your routine and get it out, um, as much as possible, um, weekly on a weekly basis. Um, it, you, you know, you really will see the, uh, the gains from it. Well, I think also if you look at it from the perspective of something you do as part of your entire career, right? I mean, one thing that's so great about <laughs> makes me wish in many respects that you know I could start over in this generation and do again my start my career over is that you can build up a lifetime of of sort of thought leadership if you will even within yeah. your own sphere about who you are and what you stand for and it doesn't all have to be original content as as you know as I advise people I work with it you know share what do you what's out there that you see that you find and there's all these tools that are available to help you find this content share something that says what you stand for, what you believe in. And so maybe it's a mix of creating some unique stuff. But if you do this for 5, 10, 15 years, you look back, you know, you stand for something. And people who are going to employ you, either as, a, uh, as an employee, people want to invest in you, people want to work with you, you know, they understand what you stand for. For sure. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a unique opportunity that people really need you know, to... I- you know, another perspective about, you know, uh, on it also is that if you think about it, like my great grandparents, in order for me to know what they've, they've kind of done to, in this world, I mean, I have to, you know, I have to go through the chain about talking to my parents or my grandparents. And unfortunately, my grandparents had passed away mm-hmm. at a very young age. It, it was, it was, it was tough, you know, because I was so close to my grandmother. She ended up dying of cancer. And that was a tough, tough for me because she was the closest grandparent I had. Um, and, you know, it's hard for me to get those stories or to know like kind of what they've done. And then, you know, I know there's Ancestry.com, uh, but really you have to kind of get, get the stories kind of the old school way. We're kind of like this first generation with this, like, again, this social digital footprint where like my kids, kids, when they may look, look this stuff up and see like, what did I stand for? What did I really, you know, are there articles that I've written that they can now read? You know, rather than like, you know, I have, you know, maybe one, uh, you know, handwritten letter that I, that I have with my grandmother. I wish I had more. Right. You know, and uh, we're, this, we're this first generation where like everything now is kind of, you know, building, um, you know, history through this, through, you know, through this digital, you know, social footprint that like our grandkids uh, kids will one day be able to see what did we stand for? What did we leave behind? You know, and I think that we should. We should uh, leverage that. Well, and for better or for worse, it doesn't go away. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. so, so this gets back to one of the points you made earlier, which uh, to me is one of the key things in, in any sort of, in your personal life and in your business life, you talked about integrity. And at the end of the day, we all know people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Integrity is a huge part of that. And yeah, people are going to see it through your body of work. Are you somebody they can trust? Are you somebody that's a person of integrity? All right, we're going to move into the last segment of the show with my guest, Gerard Adams. Got some questions I pose to all my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario in which 
you're the star, and you've just been hired as a new sales leader, new VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. And my senior manager is really anxious to get things turned around in a hurry. If you're in this scenario, what, what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? I mean, the, 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 the first thing that comes to mind is, is, is so generic, but for me, it's always been about like, like, like hustle, like do whatever I have to do to get out there um, and get leads um, however, I, however it, it, mm-hmm. I can, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's like, you know, looking for leads, you know, starting off with like LinkedIn to then reaching out to like my whole network to, you know, going to people within the organization and, and looking at like who are some past, you know, some past leads and understanding, you know, what were the, what are the most effective ways to be able to get to, uh, to, to get effective leads. Um, you know, thinking outside the box, what can I do that's different? You know, that may mm-hmm. be able to help out. So what can I do to like look at, you know, uh, a way to c- come up with a creative, you know, lead gen, um, you know, sales page that maybe I can drive, drive traffic to, um, you know, so I, I would think I would, I would hustle, you know, I would spend, you know, the extra time there to, to show that, you know, I'm dedicated and I would think outside the box and, and do what I have to do to, to use different resources to, to get more leads. Okay. Know? If that even means pounding the pavement, then I do that. Excellent. Love it. Great answer. All right. few final questions is when you're selling, when you, Gerard, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? I think it's, it's my confidence. I think being able to go into a room confidently mm-hmm. um, has been prob- you know, has been and having charisma and you know, uh, being a good listener. I think right. have been probably the, the way that I've been able to close is, uh, the deals. And I think the, one of the most important have been good storytelling. I think you have to be a good storyteller, whether you're selling your company and getting it acquired, like we did with Lee Daily, or just going to get your first sale. You know, you better go in that room with confidence. Um, you know, you better be you know a, a good storyteller and you better be a good listener to, to understand what your client is going to really, how you can benefit them and what they're looking for. Excellent. So, Who's been your business role model? My business role model. You know, it's it's interesting because I have a lot of people that I look you know that I look up to. Um, you know, a couple people that have just mentors to me uh, throughout my life. I love Gary Vee as somebody that mm-hmm. uh, relates to me as a as a hustler um, in media and in, in similar industries as me. Um, so you know, he's somebody I look up to. You know, I lo- I look up to Mark Zuckerberg. You know, seeing what he's sure. been able to create. Um, but most of all, like I, I, you know, I know that, I, and I think it's a pointer. You you know that you you're, you yourself are different, and we all we all are unique. And we kind of you know, how are you going to be a person that puts a dent into this world um, yourself? And is is so for me it's just like I like to always feel like I'm in competition with myself to be better every single day so that I can leave my own legacy and be a good role model um, in the future. Excellent. So what's one book every aspiring entrepreneur should read? I think uh, you know, I, I could tell you one that that helped me a lot that resonated sure. with me that's more of a kind of a just it's more of a story. And then I think that everybody Starting off, I think everybody should read Think and Grow Rich. Um, right. 
Napoleon Hill. I, I there's one book that I read that, that I re, I related to. And I think you should find somebody who you relate to can and you want to understand their story. For me, it happened to be a guy uh, by the name of Ryan Blair, and he had a book called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. Um, and that book just resonated with me a lot, seeing where he, how he grew up, went from gang member to multimillionaire and helped build an empire. And he talks a lot about his failures. He talks a lot about his obstacles and mistakes. And for me, I like learning. I like listening to people that it's not all about their success, but what, it, what happened that went wrong? Because I think you can learn a lot from failure, not just success. So for me, everything, uh, nothing to lose, everything to gain was a big one. Excellent. Okay. Tough question here. What music's on your playlist right now? Music's on my playlist. Cool. Um, you know, I'm a big Jay Z guy. Yeah. Uh, I I, uh, I, I got to admit, I'm you know I've had been I listened to the uh, the latest Kanye album that just hit iTunes, so I did listen to him. I love hip hop. Um, what else? I I do also like uh, some EDM music. Uh huh. Um, so I was listening to that latest song by Mike Posner. Um, believe it or not, it's a funny, it's a crazy name. So don't judge me. It's, I think the name of the song is I took a pill in Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're in the clubs, you probably did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's a good, it's a good song. Uh, you should definitely take, take a listen. All um, right. But, uh, yeah, those, those, those are, uh, on my playlist right now. Okay. So last question is what's the one question you get asked most frequently by millennials? a good question. I get so many. Um, I mean, how do I get started is a very common one. Okay. Let's go with that one. So what's, what's your answer? My answer is, you know, I think you can't try to perfect anything. I always say that the process becomes the plan. You can't try to have the perfect plan. You know, you have to just, you know, find you know, uh, focus on, on something that you really, that you believe that is, is a value that you want to create that you're passionate about, but just, and just take action consistently. You know, it's not about building extraordinary things. It's about doing ordinary things day in and day out and, and consistently. Exactly. And I think that, you know, my, my, there's, what I say to them is, you know, just start doing. And even when you make mistakes, that's okay because that means you're moving forward. And if you just keep moving forward, you know, eventually you get into a rhythm and you'll really start to see the fruits of, of your work um, and your labor. But, you know, it takes that, it takes that day in, day out grind and it's not going to happen overnight. And it, and, and the faster that you just get taking action, um, you know, the faster that one day you'll be able to look back at all that hard work and all those mistakes and obstacles and, and actually be able to, uh, to appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, there's a great quote I love from, uh, World War II era generals, U.S. generals, and it's attributed variously to Eisenhower to General Patton, but it says, uh, basically, the tenor is, yeah, it's not, the one who wins this war is not the one with the best plan, it's the one who executes their plan the best. Mm. And just, just to what you said, yeah, it doesn't yep. require perfection, it's just, are you going to be consistent, are you going to execute it? Correct. So, great, well, I want to thank you for joining me, my guest today, Gerard Adams. Gerard, tell folks how they can find out more about you. Thank you, Andy. I, I just launched a new video series. It'll be on Facebook and on my YouTube channel, Gerard Adams TV. It's called Leaders Create Leaders, where I am flying all over the country, meeting with modern day leaders, doing a day in the life with them, extracting their story, their lessons, their mentorship. So definitely check it out. Episode 
three just dropped with a day in the life with Lewis Howes, which is pretty cool. I got Gary V coming up next. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Gerard Adams. Snapchat is hello Gerard. <clears throat> and uh, my Twitter is I am Gerard Adams. And my website is GerardAdamsTV.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, thank you very much for being part of the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. And remember, friends make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting, because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Gerard Adams, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.